Ladies and gentlemen, good day and welcome to this edition of Pangea Talks, thought leadership conversations with some of the world's leading experts in family wealth matters. Joining us today, I have the honor of spending some time with uh, a dear friend and colleague, the CEO of New Binary, a fractional CTO organization based in Toronto, the CEO, Eshan Mir Damati. Uh, so I'm going to pause here for a sec. Did you want me to, how did you want me to say your first name properly? Esan or Eshan? Esan. Esan, Esan is, yes. yes. All right, but cool. I think you were close enough. <laughs> no, 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 I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it properly. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to just, uh, I will edit that out. So I'm going to pause here sure. and I'm going to redo it. All right. In five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, good day and welcome to this edition of Pangea Talks, engaging thought leadership conversations with some of the world's leading professionals in family wealth matters. Joining us today is my dear friend and colleague, CEO of New Binary, a fractional CTO organization based in Toronto, CEO Esan Miradamadu. Esan, welcome, sir to Pangea Talks. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's, um, it is an honor to be able to talk about um, my experiences um, um, you know, in my professional career and also uh, my work in engaging in the community and the startup ecosystem. You know, incredible. You talked about uh, your work and some of the incredible things you've done thus far in your career and more to come from what I'm seeing of your track record. Uh, even as CEO of New Binary, uh, uh, you are also a, a BSc holder, degree holder from York University, and you've been an active entrepreneur since 1999, according to our uh, reading and research uh, on your impressive background. Uh, you've been involved for the past 20 years in this space where you've led multiple successful ventures uh, in cloud computing, cloud software, and biotech in Canada and the U.S. You were the founder and CEO of one of the largest and first cloud computing companies in Canada, Cirrus Tech Limited. And um, you're also an active angel investor, Hassan, and an advisor for technology and venture development to dozens of other uh, ventures. So you have your plate full, my friend. It sounds like there's not a spare <laughs> moment in your day. <laughs> well, I have to be very careful with the ways that I manage my time. And, um, but I, I, take the proper steps to make sure that I'm not overwhelming myself. And um, um, I, I just, I have to say uh, that I'm trying to keep a better balance these days. You know, I, we, <laughs> it's a nice word, the balance, work-life balance uh, made popular in the, the years leading up to this conversation. You know, as a, an active um, contributor to the nonprofit space as a business owner myself and a person who's a parent and also supporting other communities around me, uh, I I have found uh, work-life balance to be an aspiration. I think that's a nice way to say it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to find it. I find that also that high performers, people that excel in their their 
business acumen or their craft or even artists who are musicians or painters, I find those folks uh, and I read their stories and talk to them and they excel because they focus so much time and energy and, and, they gen and, and genius or exceptionality usually lives in that world of focus, which is uh, in some ways um, contrary to this balance that we hear in the, the general parlance. But that's another conversation. We'll get back to that, uh, that idea. Maybe we can learn from you as a CEO how you've managed to remain successful with some of the technology uh, companies you've led, but also how you've managed your time uh, to remain uh, uh, engaged in what you're doing and still have the resilience to keep going. We'll talk about that later in the conversation. I wanted to, um, to share with the audience the interesting work you're doing uh, with New Binary and fractional CTO services. Most folks listening to this conversation will have a sense of what that is, but I'd love for you to paint a picture with words and, um, and show us what the fractional CTO service offering does and how it works uh, for you know, an example of one of your clients. You can keep the name confidential, but we'd love to have you paint a picture of how it works. Of course, and appreciate the question. So um, the idea of new binary came to us um, when uh, we were looking at the companies, uh, technology companies, and for the most part, um, every company is now becoming a technology company these days. And uh, we looked at the, a variety of companies uh, that received some early stage investments from uh, the community, whether it may be the angel community or the VC or the private equity firms. And we wanted to figure out how we could in increase the chance of success. And soon we realized that, uh, um, you know, a lot of our inventors, uh, founders, um, new entrepreneurs, I would say, or uh, repeat entrepreneurs. They are doing a fantastic job in terms of uh, research, uh, the market that they're going after, understanding the problems and the challenges, and really coming up with a solution that, that, that makes sense. Uh, they do a fantastic job in doing the, the heavy lifting of the first few years and really going out there and validating their assumptions, their technology, and. Uh, and really the invention that uh, they have uh, worked on for, I would say, uh, many years uh, prior to the launch. But what we're finding here in Canada is that they, they go through many challenges in scaling those technologies. And as you can imagine, uh, technology development and building technology development teams is a very expensive um, process for, for any company, for any, uh, especially early stage companies that are operating on short string. And so we realized that, that this only comes through experience. Um, we make a lot of mistakes um, as entrepreneurs, but we only talk about success. Oh, and, um, mm -hmm. but you know, those making mistakes and those um, learning in action experience is definitely required if you want to scale um, any company for that matter. And so uh, what we're doing at New Binary is to bring that expertise and to bridge that knowledge gap for, for the companies to really avoid making those mistakes and really um, putting their, the capital they raise or they put in on their own 
uh, into real work uh, rather than just trying and uh, you know finding out about the challenges after um, investing. And so one of the striking stats that we were able to find was that the, that the majority um, of the companies, uh, earliest stage companies are failing not because uh, they have identified the wrong problem or not because they, they don't have the right team or they're not uh, really um, working very hard towards the, their objectives. It's really because of the fact that uh, building a technology company, scaling it um, really requires good amount of focus a good amount of um, investment and uh, really bringing on board senior executives that can take this to the next level. And so we found out if we help them out to fill that gap with expertise, with people who've done it before, who've been there, um, have dealt with the challenges, with the uncertainties. And uh, you know that can actually change a lot of things for them. And if you can make that available at, uh, at, the, at the cost effective um, fashion, it actually helps out even more. So CTOs, everybody knows today in this day and age, they are in demand, they are scarce. And the ones that actually fit the type of uh, culture of startups, um, they are very uh, difficult to find. And so, um, and you may realize this very much late into your into your um, into your journey. And so, what we did was that we brought together a few of the uh, senior executives, senior CTOs, that, um, that really have had the opportunity to build their own companies before, have had exits, and some of them actually have built unicorn companies, and really bring that expertise around. Um, and really provided that uh, on part-time basis to to number of startups to um, to help them to scale on many different levels. We think um, the lean methodology that all of us are use are benefiting um, the startups. They are not overbuilding. They are not uh, scrapping their code a few times before they can scale the product. With the obviously with the help of our CTOs and the the knowledge and the experience they, they bring about. And they essentially are not, um, as it happens in many cases, they are not putting um, the significant portion of whatever growth capital they raise into R&D. And uh, that's what we do. We make sure that we engage early on, as, as early as possible with the startups through mentorship, through some assistance, uh, through some volunteer work with the incubators and accelerators across Canada. We plant the seed in their mind that you shouldn't be building everything um, uh, at the very beginning to be able to, to validate your assumptions. Maybe you should be focusing on the, the main few features, main value propositions of your business, of your technology for, for some time. Get that validation from the market. Build the first MVP. Uh, build it as small as possible. Uh, get the validation again from the clients. Create that feedback loop with the clients. Receive it. Go back on the drawing board. Iterate on your technology. And then start expanding as you are uh, more confident based on the, what the customers are telling you. So this is what we do. Uh, again, we engage early on, we plant that seed uh, in their mind, and when they are ready to really 
scale the technology and take it to the next level, they usually come and work with our CTOs. Yeah, so that's, that's in a nutshell, that's in the high level. I, you know, I like that you call it a nutshell. Um, it, there seems <laughs> to be some, it's like a microcosm uh, of, um, of activity and uh, value that you're creating with your CTO uh, fractional services. You know, uh, I know that uh, at New Binary, uh, just for the sake of uh, listeners, uh, them learning what New Binary does, you help with uh, roadmap planning and strategy, UI and even UX development. You help with grant funding support, uh, team building and knowledge transfer processes. You even help uh, cloud and with cloud and you also develop uh, implementation solutions for um, for these companies. Plus, I think you know the list goes on based on what you were sharing just now. I wondered, um, as you were sharing, I, I saw you in my mind's eye. I see you in your leadership chair as CEO of New Binary. And based on your 20 years of experience, you've seen more successes and uh, more challenges and probably some folks that are just coming into the, uh, the learning curve. And I wanted to ask this uh, question of you from where you sit in your position of leadership in this space. Esan, what would you say are the three biggest transformational changes in the Canadian technology space today? Well, um, I think, to be honest, it's very hard to just name just only three, but uh, uh, I'll try. Uh, I think the most important um, transformation that has happened uh, in the last few years is, is the fact that we are a lot more comfortable with taking risks. And uh, maybe that um, really is because of the fact that we have a lot more confidence in, in ways that we are building companies and we're scaling them. And so, but let me try to, um, to uh, just open the, the, the risk factor here now. Um, so I remember back in the days when I was building my very first company, it was almost impossible to get connected um, as a 19 year old to um, technology investors. Uh, I did not know anyone that has done it before. I did not have any network of people that could uh, guide me uh, through in this process. My university, um, professors, although very helpful, did not have much of an understanding of how you really create technology products and services. And so the ecosystem wasn't there and we were not taking those risks to really, those type of risks to, to really put out uh, resources uh, to support, you know, such, um, such individuals like myself. I think we're doing a lot better. Um, Angel community is just putting it up, putting itself out there in back alleys of universities and the incubators and accelerators. They are talking to early stage um, uh, companies, uh, founders, and they are taking more risk in, um, in the next generation of our uh, leaders. Um, they coach them, help them, and really um, invest their time in many ways to, to, to support the community. The same goes for a lot of the incubators and accelerators that have been funded uh, mostly by the government of Canada and Ontario. 
and uh, that are really they are taking those steps, those risks to to uh, help the the community and uh, create the community and help the community. Uh, maybe that's because of the confidence that we gained, but uh, I think uh, before that we we actually have seen good um, push in in that uh, area of uh, creating that support and really starting to invest in in and R and D in many ways and uh, also because of that in early stage companies. I talked about confidence, that, that's a big trend that I see. I think if you look back in history, uh, you could probably find a unicorn company, companies that are valued over a billion dollar. Um, um, and, um, and you probably could see that every maybe few years, we had a new unicorn uh, you know, coming out uh, of our ecosystem, of our technology ecosystem. You look at the Blackberry and the Nortels of the world, all those uh, great technology companies that actually led the way. But today I can confidently say we are seeing uh, a few unicorns a year. Um, and that probably has helped out in creating that confidence. Um, I see our entrepreneurs, our new entrepreneurs, uh, really thinking about capturing global markets from the get-go. They think they are well positioned to do that. They're, they don't feel any limitations doing that. And I think they, there's a lot more confidence in ways that uh, they can raise capital. One of the most important challenges for them, they can raise capital in our backyard, in, 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 in our uh, essentially from the cores of our ecosystem in Toronto, Waterloo, um, uh, to begin with, and then rest of uh, across Canada, you see the same trend. Uh, and maybe the last one is that uh, now, after probably about two decades of um, great investment from um, Canadian government to support um, research uh, for in our research institutes in uh, universities, uh, and because of that, and because of all the different great programs that incentivized uh, in innovation in many ways for early stage startups, we, we actually can see a big portfolio of early stage companies in various industries all across Canada. Um, we've seen that happening for many, many years. It's going by the day. It's impressive. We're touching every type of industry now with our uh, innovation ecosystem. We're doing great in AI. We're doing great in smart manufacturing, in uh, medical devices, in, in clean tech. And now um, uh, everyone and a lot of the players, I would say, um, in our ecosystem are thinking about how to scale them. Uh, that's a new trend. That um, that is a new approach, I guess, a um, lot of companies like ours that are taking to be part of um, the whole toolbox of these uh, early stage companies to help them out with the scalability. Uh, that's a big, um, I guess, progress for, for, for the entire community because now we are strategically thinking about how to really put together these type of services and resources and uh, how we are essentially helping out this big sea of early stage startups to, to get to the next level. Thank you for that, Asan. Uh, you talked about um, a number of uh, 
big ideas that I, I think would take uh, more time to really dive into uh, because as a, a senior leader myself, I recognize the importance of big ideas and I also see value in exploring them so that we can start implementing change to, to shift the future. Uh, and, um, and I think I'll, I'll likely have to arrange to have you back on Pangea Talks to talk about those ideas in further detail. One of the things that you mentioned is that um, you, you talked about a few things. You talked about uh, technology companies in the context of unicorns. And generally, since we're based here on the East Coast of Canada, I wanted to raise some awareness of what's been happening uh, across the country. Vancouver, for example, has produced seven unicorn companies in the past seven months. Uh, and this is drawing from an article in Vantech Journal where um, I can give you some names here, which, which speaks to some of the really encouraging progress we're making in the Canadian space as the Silicon Valley of the North is one of the other names that uh, um, some areas of Canada are called. Uh, uh, Trulio uh, valued at 2.1 billion. Traffic, uh, uh, think, uh, Thinkific, I think is another one, uh, 1.3 billion. Uh, Clio, uh, two, approximately 2 billion. Uh, Dapper Labs, 7.5 billion, my goodness. Uh, GeoComply, 1 billion. Galvanize another billion company and um, Ab Celera, I think is how we say that name properly, is approximately seven billion. So that's encouraging news uh, coming out of uh, Vancouver. And I know you're here in Canada. Later in this uh, conversation, we'll talk about the work you're doing with uh, Axion. Uh, which was uh, built as an Archangel uh, network of funds. And so we'll, um, we'll talk about uh, how you're seeing different opportunities in that startup space within the, the Axion a Archangel Investor Fund environment. I wanted to, at this point, talk about um, New Binary uh, and how New Binary, how you see it as a CEO, how is New Binary positioned to participate in these three bigger changes that you just articulated moments ago? Of course. So um, as I try to explain about how the whole ecosystem is really thinking about how to put together these innovative or um, I would say um, really bold approaches to, to come up with products and services that can help and the scalability of these technology companies, we were actually aligned with that wind of change. Uh, we're trying to, um, from our perspective, when it comes to technology development and product development and technology development, we're trying to bring that seniority knowledge to the earliest stage startups. Um, and so we are part of this whole big supply chain of uh, service providers that are really now betting on um, the, you know, the support of these uh, uh, future, hopefully, unicorn companies and to scale. And uh, what we've done and what we've achieved so far, and maybe I should say what we've been able to validate, because we're also a startup like everybody else, we were trying to learn, we're trying to validate some of the assumptions that we have in the market. Uh, so the validation we've we received today is 100% um, in line with what we've um, at the beginning hoped uh, to happen. 
a lot of appetite for the type of services that we provide, um, a lot of encouraging, uh, I guess, outcome that we've been able to, uh, to bring about. Uh, we've been in situations that the companies uh, struggle for years, uh, sometimes up to about uh, you know, seven to 10 years. At growing their company, and uh, we uh, essentially uh, you know, go in those situations into those type of companies, and we were able to really show how that can happen within um, really uh, two quarters or about a year. Uh, we validated the assumption that uh, if you do the proper product development in that process, if you really think about um, how to scale and capture uh, adjacent markets uh, with the, the core business that they have built, uh, we validated all of that, that it actually works, that it actually can um, um, lower the, the, um, the, the, the risk to the company, um, increase the chance of success, not only for the company, but also for investors. And that scaling a technology is not only about Coding is not only about maybe adding more horsepower behind your cloud infrastructure. It's about a mindset. It's about a culture. It's about um, really understanding the opportunities and be agile enough to capture them. Uh, so that's what we've been doing with New Binary. We're proud of what we've done. Uh, again, I think that the core to our success is that we've done it. Uh, we made our own thousands of mistakes. We had a few successes that we can share, and uh, even those few success, uh, or even those few, uh, I guess, um, um, items that we're sharing with our clients, that that is making a huge difference. Um, it it saves them from making those uh, fundamental mistakes sometimes, and that uh, can uh, hinder not only their growth uh, but uh, also um, the interest. Um, in the market for them, both from uh, the cost, their customer standpoint and, and also investors. So I think we're on to something interesting. Are you still there? Hi, Hassan. I think uh, it is going to be a remarkable uh, story to tell about New Binary. And we'll be following the story with great interest in the months ahead because we see you making a tremendous impact in the technology space with the work you're doing as CEO at New Binary. At the last um, a part of your contribution uh, in this conversation, you, you mentioned the word investors. And I thought that was a great... Uh, word to use as a segue uh, to talk about the Archangel Network of Funds. Um, in April of 2021, uh, a new angel investment network was founded by a, a consortium of super angels. And this is a, an interesting term. I get to call you a super angel, evidently, because you're definitely involved in this, uh, this platform. And it was um, received to great uh, claim because it was oversubscribed for the first closing of 10 million. 
the Archangel Network of Funds is based in Toronto, uh, the Toronto Waterloo Corridor on the east uh, coast of, this, of the country. And the intention there is to invest in early stage, high growth Canadian technology companies across a wide range of sectors. Um, and uh, you, you're definitely in good company because uh, this group was founded by leaders in the angel investment community. Uh, I'd love to welcome your contribution to the conversation uh, about um, this Archangel Network of Funds so our listeners can get to know uh, some of uh, whom will be hearing it for the first time. We'd like to have them know about it from you directly as you are a, a general partner involved in, um, in the Archangel Network of Funds. Of course. Um, so... Archangel is essentially an early stage um, venture fund. Um, we wanted to put the angel name somewhere in our name to simply uh, tell the world about our attitude towards our uh, portfolio companies. Meaning that we really would like to be considered as, uh, considered as angels. Um, we wanna be able to mentor support and advise our companies um, and really understand if, um, when they are going through challenges and really try to help them out as much as possible. Uh, with that in mind, and also having the benefit of, um, you know, being part of the angel community for, for years now, uh, we also wanted to create a better platform for other angels to really spread, spread the risk uh, amongst a few um, rather than just you know, making one-off uh, investment decisions on their own, sometimes have to do the due diligence on their own and uh, really um, wanted to, to create that, uh, that mechanism for them to, to help them out, to have a more professional process in place that allows them to spread their investment um, on number of companies that are uh, just a few. And also that uh, we, we would create that platform, that framework that we could do a better job in, in, in scouting and in identifying um, uh, hopefully future successful companies. And, and most of us, most of the, the founders of Archangel uh, have, um, have created their own companies in the past with successful exits all of us do have tech background. So that means we do, we think we do a better job in, in assessing those companies and their technology and the potentials of the technology. Because when it comes to early stage investment, it's not about investing in a balance sheet that, uh, that, that is a sound balance sheet that, that, that shows growth right away at the first glance. Uh, early stage investment is about taking risk is about identifying potential. And if you really do a good job in assessing the technology and its potentials, obviously we uh, hopefully over time do a better job in, uh, in creating and helping out uh, those future successful companies. So that's what we've done. Uh, a big factor of uh, one of the streams uh, in our fund, Axion, the one that I'm leading uh, with a couple of other GP uh, um, partners is that we are investing in tech-heavy companies uh, through Axion and uh, obviously early stage. 
And one of the reasons that we wanted to do this is that we think there is a great deal, great amount of really strong intellectual properties that are generated uh, in our research institutes, universities, hospitals, and uh, you know, research labs that we think if we help out um, the inventors to identify the value of them, then amazing things start to happen. Uh, we are talking to companies, to inventors at this stage that uh, almost no other or very few uh, other um, funding institutions would, would want to talk to. We guide them about how they should think about building scalable technologies, products, and how to really go about starting off with uh, building uh, an MVP that, uh, that validates uh, their core invention towards a big problem. And then how to start from there, how to go about really bringing about resources, whether it may be capital or talent or leaders or um, interns um, to really take it to the next level. So um, we are proud to say that we're amongst a very few funds across Canada that uh, we essentially even talk to researchers when they can simply share um, their story on the back of a napkin. And uh, we don't judge them uh, about uh, not having the entrepreneurial experience. We don't uh, necessarily want to see everything to be in the right place from the get-go. And we just simply want to have a friendly, casual conversation with inventors that uh, have something, uh, have done something amazing in their lab. And they may not even think that that, that work may be amazing, but we want to just tell them the value of those and help them out to really take that to the next level. So we're taking that risk um, in a different way. And um, that, um, you know, that has proven to be an, um, a winning strategy. We're seeing things that, um, um, that otherwise would have ended up in back alleys of uh, universities. And, uh, and uh, we're, we're quite happy with what we've done and proud, to be honest. Axion has uh, six key sector focuses, from what I recall. We're focusing on uh, med tech, autonomous cars, uh, AI and AI security, clean tech, uh, smart manufacturing. Um, and you also, from what I understand about uh, the fund, the average check size varies from between 100 to 300,000 across 30 to 50 deals over five years. Have those metrics uh, changed or the focus changed since um, the, the fund was established? Have you gotten a bit more focus around certain areas? Or are you seeing um, cash flowing into, or capital rather flowing into specific uh, uh, sector, uh, sectors that you've decided to concentrate on? Well, not to the great deals, I would say. But we're seeing a lot of new, exciting technologies in clean tech that um, is just mind-boggling. Uh, we didn't think that Canada is just uh, well-positioned to become one of the leading um, ecosystems for clean tech around the world. Uh, we're quite excited about that. But in general, we chose those sectors, those, uh, I would say some of them are sectors, some of them are industries, some of them are just essentially enabling technologies like AI. But what we're um, 
really think what we were thinking at the very beginning when we wanted to focus on these things was that we looked at the whole ecosystem and we said, where can we find you know, a good number of talents and where can we find some baseline industries where those talents, those inventors, those uh, new, um, I guess, uh, newly graduated professionals uh, or newly acquired professionals um, can really, you know, get into those industries, work on those baselines and really build something interesting. And so we found out that uh, obviously we're doing some amazing work in, uh, in AI in most of our universities, um, top tier universities are actually doing a fantastic job there. Um, university, I mean, in Toronto and Montreal, we do have a, um, a huge and humongous ecosystem when it comes to AI. And we've seen some great examples of the type of companies that adopted those type of enabling technologies and whether it, uh, whether it was in smart manufacturing, in medical devices, in, uh, in other areas. And we also have had this um, great baseline um, because of the, our uh, leading technology companies from um, old days. Uh, I think we can now comfortably say old days, the Blackberries of the world, uh, the, uh, um, the Nortels of the world. Um, we wow. actually... <laughs> wow. You know, it's like, uh, like hearing it, uh, you're, you're speaking of these ancient legends from time past. Uh... <laughs> well, that's how it is in technology. A decade is, wow. is a century Wow. Um, now um, in terms of the amount of innovation that happens these days. And so, yeah, so the great baselines, those great leaders of the past created, uh, actually contributed to our knowledge of creating great things with um, that has an electronic component and some great software components on top of them. So we wanted to be in that realm. And so that's how we consciously made those choices and uh, not so much of a deviation, but some exciting, great surprises. You know, at Axiom, uh, the Axiom Fund, you have a very clearly defined mission. You, you say that your mission is to unlock capital and accelerate the transition of Canada into an innovation economy through three strategic focuses. Number one, make angel investment accessible to investors who otherwise are not able to participate. Number two, uh, promote the creation and commercialization of intellectual properties and hyper-growth outcomes. And number three, remove barriers for Canadian uh, investors to connect to smart and value uh, and add investors, uh, can connect them with industry partners. So you're actually providing, in my estimation, a much needed uh, service and access point to investors who, um, who wish to participate. And, uh, and this is the, the key thing that I recognize is that they don't have to do it alone. Uh, with your leadership uh, as uh, GPs, as well as your other GP partners uh, who have had successful exits, some of whom have worked uh, and had participated in unicorns themselves, uh, they know it from the inside. So investors don't have to go through this um, new startup environment and even in the research phase, you're talking about folks that are doing research, uh, investors, uh, investors don't necessarily need to have a complete um, 
a set of uh, deep skills and education in the selection process because they have your team to help them along the way. And that's exciting for us because we see significant value in partnering with people that have deep expertise in their, their of area of focus. Uh, and that I think uh, is going to continue to um, nurture the success of the work that you're doing with Axion. I wanted to quote um, an interesting perspective from the CEO of the National Angel Capital Organization, Cla Claudia Rojas. Uh, Claudio says, uh, the current structure of the innovation ecosystem does not reflect the diversity of our country and many entrepreneurs face systemic bar barriers to gain access to capital. Hence the reason we're talking about how you're creating a solution for that. Only with equitable access to early stage capital can we realize our full economic potential, uh, Mr. Rojas says, and he says, realize it as a nation, because he's talking about this on a, on a national level in Canada. He says that the Archangel network of funds reflects an emerging trend of new angel collectives that are opening up new pathways to capital. And this consortium of experienced super angels is well positioned to play a pivotal role in supporting entrepreneurs across a wide variety of sectors and backgrounds. Now at Axion, uh, you're focusing on, on, I think, six key areas. I'm sure it's gonna grow and, uh, and expand when you see more opportunities. You talked about clean tech being a very uh, key area. And I think that, that serves well to the next question that I have, Hassan. I wanted to ask this, three years from now, mm -hmm where would investors look back and wished that they had participated in technology startups today? Well, obviously clean tech is definitely one of them. Um, but I think if we look back again in recent history for the last uh, two decades, uh, for example, Ontario has done an amazing job in, in, in manufacturing, especially in auto industry. Uh, I would say smart manufacturing is one of those areas that uh, um, a lot of growth is going to happen. Uh, we're going to become a lot more efficient. And we do have the experience, the baseline experience of uh, building amazing things in our manufacturing sector. And so um, I think we're going to be witnessing some great success there. Um, and uh, also... Um, maybe Arctic, uh, anything related to agriculture um, is, is now becoming uh, very interesting. We don't have um, much of an experience in there as, as you know, part of the um, Axion Archangel, but I see that area as one of the uh, interesting and fascinating areas for us too. Agriculture is also massive in, in Canada. We are um, poised to be uh, one of the leading uh, producing uh, countries in the world because of our access to to water, uh, to clean water, and uh, vast, um, I guess, uh, areas that we we as as things as as climate change is uh, um, evolving in front of our eyes, we do have a vast areas that we can actually put into use for farming and agriculture. So I would I would imagine that we're going to be. Uh, um, hopefully a, one of those leading countries in that area. And I see a lot of uh, new technologies that are coming out to just make things better or improve, um, you know, whether it may be improved yield, 
um, or uh, faster supply quicker into supply chains or um, consuming less water in some some cases um, or uh, just uh, improvements on many fronts so uh, i would say arctic is definitely one of those sectors thank you for those three i have them here uh, clean tech uh, manufacturing and ag tech i i'd love for us to just dive a little bit deeper uh, you've seen a, uh, a number of clean tech opportunities even with your work at axiom uh, I'd, I'd love to invite the conversation around some specifics you're seeing in clean tech, because I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that conversation with you. I know for privacy reasons, you may not be able to mention any company names, but if you feel like you can and they're in the public domain and you, you want to, uh, I'm happy to, to have you share them. But in the clean tech space specifically, what uh, innovation are you seeing that uh, you'd like to talk about? And if, are there any specific companies that are making a remarkable um, uh, progress and in innovation that we should learn about from you? Course. Well, I wish I could name just, you know, maybe at least 100 companies in that space um, because it just uh, mind boggling. Um, I see a lot of efficiency improvements in, in ways that, um, you know, we're using utilities in buildings. I see a number of technologies that are actually um, helping out to identify the waste in buildings and also how to. Um, mitigate that and also other technologies that are uh, by their nature they are making making things a lot more efficient uh, whether it may be related to the cooling and heating uh, of the buildings or how you design to uh, to uh, to essentially create the comfort at the same time consume less energy i see um, new battery technologies that are coming out uh, that are essentially very much impressive. Uh, I see new types of fuels uh, that uh, people are thinking about or um, working on these days. Um, I see uh, better alg algorithms for um, autonomous cars that are, uh, with, that are designed to have better consideration for uh, fuel efficiency. Um, a lot of innovation in uh, electric uh, electric cars uh, that are using various industries. Mining is already adopting so many battery operated vehicles, uh, which is massive. Um, so it's all across so many different sectors of the industry that uh, uh, you know they're adopting and or inventing and adopting new clean tech technologies. I'm quite excited about this, this one because we are, as a country, consuming um, more energy than the majority of the countries out there. And that's because of the, the type of climate that we live in and uh, the, 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 you know, the huge land that we, uh, we live on. Um, and the infrastructure costs in Canada is actually amongst the, the highest ones in the, in the world. Uh, because of the, the spread of the population in a uh, big geographical uh, region. And so I, um, I think um, it, is, uh, it is extremely exciting that we're starting from our backyard. We're uh, essentially already pushing forward um, those, those, uh, those improvements because of our own uh, you know, challenges, uh, the homegrown challenges or local challenges that we're facing. 
you know, I, I wonder to myself as you talk about all these different opportunities, um, and I link this conversation that we're having to the understanding that uh, your work at Axion is also focusing on clean tech. How many clean tech names are you seeing right now on your desk that um, Axion is uh, allocating capital to? I think uh, about 20% uh, oh, wow. of our of our new leads um, are somehow related to clean tech. May not be directly talking about those things, but the, the, the efficiencies that they're talking about will create that efficiency, let's say in factories uh, or in ways that we, the, the irrigation systems that we have in, in, in Arctic. Um, but um, it's just, it just on the rise. Uh, you see that trend um, almost uh, in every corner um, of every industry now. And you talked about, um, you know, manufacturing as well. What percentage of the um, of the Axion portfolio is exposed to uh, technology innovation in the in, in the manufacturing environment? It's not a big number right now. I can't say it's more than um, maybe five, ten percent today. Mm -hmm. Understood. But we're seeing that the the new wave that uh, of the companies that we're actually helping out and help them to really be ready for when they're pitching to us. So the pipeline is building up very much nicely and we, we can actually see a lot of new innovation that is still at the, uh, the lab and the research institutes. Um, but the, the, the problem and the challenge with the manufacturing, the fact that they may not be at the stage where we can confident, confidently invest in, is really because of the fact that the adoption is very much complicated. It's, it takes so much to introduce a new technology into manufacturing. I anticipate that may be the same for ag tech uh, as you build your ag tech pipeline as well. Adoption may be um, a constraint. Is that a fair assessment? That is definitely fair. But right now, uh, we are at this stage that there is good amount of penetration of technology out there already. So there is a foundation. There is, a inf there is an infrastructure and at least the mindset and the appetite is uh, is a few steps ahead of the smart manufacturing incredible uh, that's this so this conversation is um very exciting for me because i'm getting to learn with you uh and our audience is learning as well a bit more about the uh, axion fund so we talked about a 20 percent allocation uh or so to clean tech and clean tech related um uh holdings uh, there's about a five or ten percent range in manufacturing as we take a look at the, the remaining uh, part of the pie chart, where would you say the, the bigger allocations, uh, what sectors in the, in the Axion fund as it stands today? Well, we're a new fund. So the stats that I will be giving you are definitely going to change, Indeed. but we see some um, a, good, a good amount of innovation coming out uh, and uh, in, in mining and we are following the suit. And uh, now, um, I think smart buildings is um, if we can categorize uh, those companies that I'm you know, kind of contemplating about in my head, if we can categorize them as smart building technologies. But, you know, crowd management in buildings 
um, in facilities, in, in um, you know, city environments, public areas, that's that somehow is becoming a major item. And uh, maybe that's because of the COVID. Um, and that, uh, you know, there are some great ideas that are, uh, people are coming up with uh, because of all the limitations and uh, it's created for us. I, I can't give you a straight answer on this one, to be honest. Um, I think um, the more I think about it, uh, most of them do have an electronic piece and component into it and some sort of a software. So um, we talked about clean tech, we talked about uh, mining and manufacturing. Um, there are some enabling technology early stage that we're looking at today that uh, could be the right fit maybe for a variety of the industries. So, um, and also um, life sciences. Life sciences is big, um, good big portion of our portfolio companies. So whether it may be some new material science or medical devices or health tech, um, telemedicine, uh, if we lump all of those into life science companies, that's where we see good significant uh, portion of our portfolio. I appreciate that. I, I think uh, as our audience listens and they get to learn about what you're doing at Axion, uh, my intention here is to educate and I appreciate you giving us that uh, perspective in how you're allocating. Uh, telehealth definitely is um, is uh, top of mind for folks who are following the space. I know I attended uh, a, an, invest, an investor, um, a, a pitch call, I think, with your team where telehealth was well represented in the lineup uh, of that, um, of the schedule of calls uh, for, for that, uh, that event. Uh, so I can relate to what you're, you're articulating here. What I wanted to, to get a closer sense of as we talk about this, uh, our, our listeners are, always aware of how we can contribute and align capital with our own values. And uh, a lot of our listeners uh, are, are very much interested in how we help grow the nation and how we uh, continue to add value by supporting Canadian successful Canadian businesses. Now, I wanted to uh, quote one of the things that uh, you shared with me um, uh, uh, about uh, one of the invitations that I, I extended to you and I shared with you a company that's in our, our EV, electric vehicle charging space. And uh, I can say it now because the information is in the public domain, uh, charge request. And one of the very fascinating things about that experience that I've had uh, with you is that you saw the potential of this company because it connects with the clean tech conversation we're having. And one of the one of the things you said to me was, you know, this company is it's a it's a solid company. We see it uh, the way you see it. You saw it as a, a 10x company, uh, but where you focus with New Binary and the Archangel Network is that you focus on on 100x companies. And I wanted to invite that conversation because those are some very exciting um, uh, aspirations and numbers to talk about. Uh, when you look at companies for your new, new your uh, Axion portfolio, uh, is that generally what you're looking at a hundred X and over what period of time is the question I think our listeners want to know. Of course, obviously, um, because of the fact that the uh, early stage investment is more 
of a, a riskier, uh, I would say, process compared to, uh, let's say, you know, private equity firms or, you know, later stage VCs where everything is validated, all the numbers and the growth is actually confirmed. And then you're putting more fuel uh, into the tank and uh, maybe to, uh, to or maybe the, the better way to say it, is you're putting more, more wood into the fire. Uh, the mentality at the earlier stage is different. You have to really see if there is a potential for 100x growth that when you have the, you know, your investment um, spread on many portfolio companies, and if a few of them fail, you still have a good chance of uh, providing good returns to your investments. So that's the mentality behind it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if on their projections, uh, they don't show 100x growth, we're going to say, obviously, we're going to reject them. That, that simply means we, we look at the potential and, and, and say, do they have the chance to really grow uh, by 100x in, in 10 years, maybe one of the industries or the sectors they're going after um, today, they can, that maybe can give them 5x or 10x growth, but do we have a potential there where we can repurpose the technology and then maybe bet on uh, um, bigger growth? Uh, that's, that's how we uh, essentially think about this. Uh, but then again, uh, I want to put this out there as well. That, Please, um, yeah, indeed. Yeah. I'd love your perspective. That, for example, um, when we are looking at uh, a lot of these industries, that uh, the, the enabling technology for them has a combination of hardware and software in it, we know the major ingredient of success is to really make that a more of a data play, more of a software play rather than hardware, because hardware over time becomes commodity. Mm. The intelligence, the, the real value proposition, the main differentiators actually lie in the software and how you essentially keep up uh, with the demands of the market and how you uh, make sure that not only you receive the feedback from the ecosystem, but also you go back and integrate uh, with your next um, iteration. Uh, that has been proven and validated in the market. The hardware is just losing its um, edge in, in most of the industries. I, I can't say in all of the industries. And so when we talked about um, certain opportunities you and I together, I thought that the, uh, the hardware play is definitely important to be looked at, but the main differentiator is that how strong the team is understanding the, the potential of data play and, um, and uh, how they're capturing it. Integration is the next piece. So when you're thinking about, um, let's say, um, you know, charging stations for, for autonomous cars in the future, uh, how is that integrating back uh, to, the, uh, to the routing algorithm to make it more efficient, more, more even feasible uh, for the type of a service that those autonomous vehicles will be providing? So many very important details to be aware of, and we're glad that your team is uh, around the investor table 
to ask those questions of the limited partners or the, the companies themselves as we take a look at uh, what the future holds uh, for Axion and your work there, what do you anticipate would be uh, the bigger opportunities uh, for capital allocation in the next 12 months as our uh, listeners and investors consider um, how to allocate their capital or at least a portion of it to the Axion uh, fund? That's a great question. Um, um, I would encourage and invite our prospect future investors, LPs, to really engage with us and see things um, firsthand for themselves. Well, we are inviting on an ongoing basis. We are inviting uh, partners, friends, the interested uh, parties to our selection committee, to our selection process. We we. We want them to see the type of opportunities we're looking at. We want them to engage with us and really help us out to make better uh, choices in our investment, help us out to better understand the challenges of the companies uh, that uh, we're investing in and uh, really open the doors of uh, you know, some of the industries that uh, they are familiar with uh, for our companies and say, make this a um, collaborative process rather than uh, just um, uh, just observing um, what's happening in our ecosystem and for, for institutions like, like uh, Archangel, Axion. Um, let's just make that future together. That's, that's, that's something that I would say. And, uh, but you know, in general, uh, we're, we're doing our best. We're engaging with, uh, with inventors uh, and uh, we are trying to really find the diamonds uh, in the corners of our research institutes and labs and bring them about to, uh, to, uh, to our selection, to our mentorship, to our advisory um, initiatives and uh, really make that determination of uh, you know, where we should be taking the risk uh, for the next generation inventors, essentially together. I like, uh, I like the way you've described it uh, as a partnership, even with uh, the investor community, as well as the, the companies, the LPs. Uh, I think that's a, a, a thoughtful or mindful way forward as we, we build as a community together. I think that has legs there's an old um, there's an old uh, saying uh, that goes if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together and i think i hear a bit of that wisdom and what you're articulating now you also talked about the future in your last comments and i wanted to to talk about the future with you from what you see in your uh, ceo chair and also as a leader in the technology and innovation space in canada Esan, what structural changes would you like to see implemented to shape Canada's digital future? Again, another great question, Declan. Now, um, what I would like to happen is that, uh, what I would like to see happening is that, um, again, uh, we, men we talked about this. I mentioned the fact that I think as an, as an, uh, as a, as an entrepreneur um, myself, 
I think the Canadian government has done an amazing job investing billions of dollars into research and innovation and uh, really supporting the earliest stage uh, startups. Um, that has led to the success that we're seeing today. Um, I think I should be appreciative, people like myself should be appreciative of all the resources available. But I think what uh, at this stage uh, makes sense is for the government and those government incentive funds and programs to start investing in, in funds similar to ours that have a better chance of providing the support and resources and really looking after uh, the companies that we invest in. Uh, when you are providing grants, when you are providing uh, government incentives to the companies, it's very hard to structure a measure to really um, um, uh, you know, look after these companies and make sure the, the outcome is properly um, established. Uh, whereas investment institutions, funds, they look after the companies and they, they do their best to guarantee the, the success or to improve the, the chance of success of those companies. Whereas the grants are not really that. I mean, um, I don't think there would be any meaningful way uh, to just basically say, we're providing this grant, this incentive to, to, to you as a company, as an entrepreneur, and we want you to you know, uh, make sure that you meet your projections, your, your objectives, and you go out there and you make sales. They cannot be designed that way. And so maybe um, a fix or maybe an improvement to that is uh, for the government to start thinking about how to allocate some of that budget um, in, uh, that to, to the funds as, as matching funds uh, to, uh, to, uh, to improve on what we already do and to also hopefully support um, the future entrepreneurs better. And one other thing, sorry, I just realized that uh, we, I haven't yet looked back at my um, angel investment uh, history journey, and I haven't talked so much about it. But uh, looking back as an angel, uh, there are some incentives in, in uh, provinces like British Columbia for um, considering investments as part of their RSB contribution. We don't have that in Ontario. We don't have that across Canada. They're, they're, we need to think about those type of incentives. So we need to also incentivize um, our investors in ways that they are taking the risk and supporting the earliest stage community, earliest stage startup community. Yeah, that's an incredible, I appreciate you making that, uh, that statement because it goes to the core of getting access uh, and reaching people in the Canadian uh, population that want to participate and uh, they should be able to do it with their RSPs and the structural changes to support that would encourage the growth in those areas. Thank you for sharing that thought. I also wanted to give some feedback from um, the former chairman of Research in Motion, uh, Jim Basili. Uh, in, in May 2020, uh, while speaking with the Standing Committee on Industry, Science and Technology about Canada's reaction to COVID, Basili noted that Canada's inability to make money off its innovations, uh, and he suggested that Canada's, Canada should develop a digital policy infrastructure to facilitate productivity. 
uh, prosperity, as well as uh, security via global value chains. Um, governments that adapt quickly, he said, invest in the right institutions, sectors, and regulatory frameworks to generate proper incentive and support. And he says that'll have a significant uh, impact and great advantage for Canada in the post-COVID economy. I know you're seeing this uh, from your chair. You've articulated some of the um, opportunities you're seeing at Axion and uh, the work you're doing uh, with New Binary. I'll, I'll conclude with this statement that, um, that I'm aware of from Bloomberg, Bloomberg's 2021 Innovation Index. And uh, perhaps I'll invite a comment on it from you after. Canada ranks 21 in Bloomberg's 2021 Innovation Index. And this is out of 60 companies that they, um, they include in the index worldwide. Uh, ranking 21, Canada is actually behind Finland, Sweden, Israel, Norway, Singapore, Belgium, and even Ireland, all of which have smaller populations than Ontario. Um, and in, in some of these conversations that are happening, um, we're wondering if, uh, if artificial intelligence, emerging tech, and, and security and digital transformational uh, opportunities are really going to uh, play a, a critical role in shaping Canada's digital future and can we do something about it sooner? Uh, I wanted you to comment on that as we stack up Canada against the other countries uh, that I've mentioned and even others of how you think we can move up the rankings uh, or even if that's something that you as a leader would even have uh, uh, concerns about or would that just be something that comes naturally as we continue to invest? Uh, in specific areas that other nations um, are not? Well, I think um, I'm very much hopeful and optimistic to see this ranking for us to, to change. I think we're gonna be showing some good amount of improvement because we've done great amount of investment in the past few years in this whole ecosystem now. So I think that the fruits of it is gonna is gonna show that they're gonna expose themselves in a few years from now, or maybe a couple of years, starting a couple of years from now. So I'm very much optimistic for that. And wow. you know, okay. these type of things don't happen overnight. It has to go through many years of planning, investing in policy making, and uh, and really um, planning for for improvements. And I think we've done that. Uh, I am very much optimistic uh, for that. But there is also another thinking to all of this. So when I'm talking to a lot of these, um, um, I would call them modern management consulting firms now that they're thinking about, and they are, or maybe they, they, they are offering some digital transformation uh, type of services and facilities. And the, I have to say the unfortunate um, reality of it is that we're still thinking about digital transformation in in some very primitive ways not it's not on, and it's not only about us or as canadian it's uh, generally is the case across the board and in all in most of the nations that i've um, that i've been studying we're talking about digital transformation but we're essentially talking about you know putting a crm um, cloud-based accounting platform, maybe project management softwares, um, maybe procurement or inventory platforms. But to me, as a technologist, that's 
these are older or more of a conventional uh, technologies. And as a baseline, you definitely need all of that. But the real key and uh, contributor to our success uh, improving this is really to uh, think about uh, the next wave that is going to be um, built on top of those baselines. I see these type of platforms as, as the main um, or the baseline dashboard operating system, if you want to think of it, that gives you some visibility um, into how the operations, how you know the, the things flow in, a, in, a, in an institution, in a company. But you do need to think about how you could potentially improve efficiency with the you know, intro introduction of AI um, or image processing in your manufacturing process. That's the key. That's where we actually create that leap, um, uh, you know, uh, um, improvement. And, and that's my hope that we uh, essentially, and we've already done that, we're accelerating the whole adoption of those baseline technologies as, as part of the digital transformation thinking. Um, but I'm very much hopeful that we bridge the gap between um, you know, some um, uh, great companies, uh, SMEs of our ecosystem um, and what happens in the innovation ecosystem. If we can marry the two and bridge the gap, um, we can actually have some significant um, uh, advancements in the way that we operate. You know, when we talk uh, on this um, conversation, I, I see I see very important strategic perspectives expressed. I wonder, you know, if we were to just inspire those listening on the call, maybe some of whom may actually be in high levels of government uh, in our network. Um, if you had an audience with the appropriate uh, government decision makers in Canada and they said, Hassan, we'd like to spend an hour with you because what you're about to share with us will shape the next decade in the innovation and technology space in Canada. What's <laughs> the one message you would like them to hear? And what's the one thing you'd like them to change? You talked about us changing the, uh, the way we listen to the conversation. Uh, what's that one thing you'd like them to know and do? And here's the thing, this is what I care about, do something about uh, in that meeting? I know it's a, a tough question. But, uh, <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> I'd love well, to hear uh, this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, engaging with, uh, with officials, with government, with policymakers, with, um, you know, leaders of our um, country and ecosystem, um, it's great that I can communicate uh, maybe through these type of interviews with them, but I think uh, I would be um, giving them an example, a great example, instead of uh, talking about, um, you know, what I have, uh, uh, you know, about my own opinion or, or perspective into things. I would get them to get some of the industry leaders uh, together in one room with a few relevant startups innovative and great startups that can actually change things for them. Get them to listen to, to what those new uh, bold technologies can do for those uh, big corporations, industry leaders, and remove all the filters. 
and see what happens. Just observe the conversation and see what comes out of it. And you would be surprised of how easy it is to really bring about change by just removing barriers and really incentivizing um, companies to pilot new technologies in many different ways. Um, what happens today is that the companies have to jump through maybe 100 hoops before they get to that point. Um, uh, you know, inventors uh, come up with something in the lab at a research institute, at a university, and they go through, uh, you know, the whole um, applying for grant process. They validate some of those ideas that they came up with in their, in their lab, and they create maybe or maybe they don't. They create some, some level of prototype, and then maybe they can speak to investors uh, who will hopefully get their attention and hopefully they invest, hopefully they form a company and hopefully um, they go um, you know, through the whole valley of death, uh, trying to figure out how to position the product and the technology and, and uh, how to uh, really uh, demonstrate um, uh, to the companies, to the uh, actual beneficiaries of those technologies. Um, and uh, hopefully something happens there. Uh, it shouldn't be the case. Um, we should be able to remove barriers. We should get the industry leaders to, to have unfiltered conversations with innovators from time to time. I know it's not possible for them to, uh, for the industry leaders to really uh, spend as much as time um, we we spend with this startups, but I think that there can be very simple cut through mechanisms that the government can can incentivize, do some handholding uh, to really have that unfiltered, convenient, casual conversation about adopting new technologies. And I think you will they will be surprised just looking at those conversations, and maybe based on that they can they can come up with some creative ways. Um, to incentivize this this process. You know, Hassan, I think uh, we need to continue to have your voice at the table to champion uh, these causes uh, for innovation and technology advancement. We at Pangea Talks are grateful for the time that you shared with us uh, today, and we look forward to inviting you back to learn more about uh, developments happening at New Binary as you continue to change the Canadian uh, landscape um, through your fractional CTO service offering, as well as the opportunities you're creating for Canadian investors with your Axion Archangel Fund, which gives investors uh, um, professional uh, services and access to startups in Canada that have high potential. Thank you once again for joining us, Hassan. We look forward to talking to you again in the future and continued success, my friend. My best to you. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for doing what you're doing. <laughs>